So we're continuing a series that we started on July 10th, uh, Set Free. And today we are going to talk about being set free to serve. As Christians, we are set free from the law. We're set free from the bondage that often holds the world hostage. But we struggle to live that out. So today we're going to be talking about being set free to serve. Our primary passage is Galatians 5, verse 1, and then 13 through 18. Today we're going to also look at Luke 22, 24 through 27. Galatians. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And Luke chapter 22, verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table, or the one who serves? This is not the one who is at the table. But I am among you as one who serves. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks be to God. A gentleman named Robert Green Ingersoll made this statement. He said, In our era, the road to holiness necessarily passes through the world of action. The road to holiness necessarily passes through the road of action. So it's one thing to say, I believe, and to step forward in, in, in church and say, I believe in Jesus, I accept him as my, as my Savior. Kind of another thing to say, I accept him as my Lord as well. We like that he's our Savior, but if he's my Lord, then that means that my life is going to change and change dramatically because I'm no longer going to do or going to seek to not do those things that I used to do as I learned how to become more and more like him. One of the ways we do that is through Reading the Bible so that we can learn more and more. We're, we're trying to get to <laughs> Let me encourage you. Scripture is, is, is the primary source. God is seen in all creation. Amen. And he, he gave this revelation to us, this amazing gift of Scripture. So I challenge you and encourage you. Dive in. Dive in. So Paul in his text in Galatians, he says that we have been called to freedom, which is a great thing. We're called to, to be free. But it's not free to, to indulge our own desires. It's freedom to serve others. And this is the truest mark, really, of what, what it means to, to live this freedom out as a Christian is when we're, we're, we're trying and seeking to engage and involve and spread the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And that happens when we engage in relationships with others. 
See, loving service is measured by one's response to their neighbor, not by one's response just to themselves. But if you look at our society, self-indulgence is probably a pretty good word, amen? You know, most of what we do is focused internally. It's on how do I get further in my career? How do I get further in my job? How do I get, get, get? Y'all know peanuts, right? Who do you think is the most self-indulgent one in peanuts? Absolutely. Lucy says, so Linus is reading the list, and he says, it says here the world revolves around the sun. Once a year, Lucy jumps up and says, what? The world revolves around the sun? That can't be right. The world revolves around me. Just a little bit self-indulgent. But that's our inclination, right? That's our natural inclination. It's not even abnormal for us to do that. That's when, we're, when we come into this world to, to be focused on the world that we have created in our, in our own sphere for ourselves, our personal world, our desire to, to, to enhance that and to grow that takes precedence, right? Isn't that where we live most of the time? How do I, how do I help myself to get a little bit further? Thoughts of others takes a back seat, and that's, again, it's natural, it's logical, it makes sense. But is it what God asks of us? I'm going to tell you a secret about Jesus. The thinking of the world and the thinking of his day, you know what he did today? Consistently turned it upside down and looked at it from a new place. And that's what he's challenging us even today about. So one of the questions that we get as Christians sometimes is if there's a God, why are there starving people in the world, right? So I asked uh, the semi-almighty Google uh, a question. Google, you know, the camera. <laughs> Does the world produce enough food to feed everyone? You know what it's called? Yes. Yes, the world produces enough food to feed everyone. For the whole world, the amount of food per day that's available is 2,790, what are called kcals, but I looked that up too, and it correlates to calories. 2,790 calories per day. That's the production of the world. Those of you who are into nutrition know that 1,500 to 2,500 is, is kind of the range for the average human. There's enough food for everyone in the world. We could feed everybody. So the answer to the question, if someone were to ask you if there's a God, why isn't there enough food, is that there is enough food. We just don't share very good. We don't distribute it very well. And that comes from being focused on our own world. Any moms out there, when you're trying to get your kid to, or grandma, moms or dads, Get your kid to clean the plate and say something, something, something like, you need to eat that. They're starving children and you name the country. Right? Like we're going to package up the leftovers and mail them. Any of, any of the kids, or did you do this at, when, you were, when you were in Maine, you Woke up two weeks later. 
That was one of my mom's techniques. Now, I never did say they made me free, but I felt that for somebody else. I was, I, I was smarter than that thing. But this stance of self-indulgence is a focus for us as a culture. And it really can be in the church. And you, how do you see this in the church in a couple of ways? One is pastors who uh, preach prosperity, what's known as the prosperity gospel, that they preach that God wants you to be happy and to be rich. You know, God wants you to be joyful and to sacrifice. You're not a popular message. It sounds better if you stay happy and rich than, than joyful no matter what circumstances you find yourself in and be willing to sacrifice for the good of others. But that's our culture. That's kind of where we come from. It, it, if we're not careful who we are in the church, you see it this way. There's a lot of us who come to church to consume, right? They come to consume ministry. So they come in at, 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 at mega churches are doing a great thing, and some of them are really good. I'm not knocking them per se. What I'm saying is that if you're coming to consume the, the service in the morning, and, and then you walk out and say, hey, that was pretty good, but you don't, it doesn't have an impact in your heart and your life. That's not what it's about. It's not what it's supposed to be about. And that's not even about the stuff that's going on on stage as much as it is about us. But a friend of mine said, if you treat people like consumers, why are you surprised when they become consumers? In church. We need to be engaged and involved in the lives of one another. Not just here to consume. Are we here to, to grow and get? To be equipped? to be sent to follow the words of Christ. Jesus knew it wasn't a surprise to him that we would be focused on ourselves primarily. He knew that about us. And that's probably why he challenged us. In this passage in particular, he reminded the disciples who were caught up in another discussion about who's the greatest, right? Who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, you're not. I'm the greatest. I want to sit on the right. No, you can't sit on the right. This was a common conversation, apparently, among them. They wanted to know who was, where they ranked, you know. And then Jesus points out, he says, okay, so the king sat at the table, right? And that's the position of honor, right? And they said, yes, yes. If you answer that honestly, it would be, yes, that's true. And then he does does this crazy Jesus thing, right? He says, well, I'm among you as one who serves. I was wondering, so what you going to do about that? You want to be at the table, right? Well, that's not what I'm doing. This week I read a story about a pastor who was called to give an invocation at the Salvation Army headquarters in Chicago. So Mary, if you got it wrong, you can help me. He was to give an invocation. One of the people in his church had was to be a warden. He said that he says the guest speaker was the general of the Salvation Army. When he got up to make his remarks, he began by telling the audience that he loved being the main speaker because it gave him an opportunity to explain his uniform in detail. He then smiled and said, There's just two things really that I want to tell you about on my uniform. See these two brass buttons on my lapel that say S is S. And as he put his thumb under the right lapel, he said, This S stands for saved. 
It reminds me that I've been saved by Jesus Christ. Then he put his thumb under the lapel on the left, and he said, This S stands for serve. It lets the world know that I've been saved for one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to serve. Saved to save or saved to serve. Amen? And then he said this. Quite frankly, folks, I grow very weary of some of my Christian brothers and sisters who are always talking about the brass button on the right. They don't seem to have a clue with the brass button on the left. And that's a powerful reminder to us that being set free by Christ is being set free so that we can serve the needs of, the, of humanity, of our community, of our church, of our world. I love that. Save to save, save to serve. To reach out to the least, the lost, the lonely, the orphan, the widow, the prisoner. <clears throat> Making a difference in lives. As usual with Christ, it's to move that internal normal focus, our normal, what we're used to when we grew up, or that, that focus on self and go, okay, hang on, let me get you moving to looking a little bit out, look at other people in your church, look at other people in your community, look at other places in your state. What about cool? And it can happen any time in our lives if your heart is open to the possibility of Christ's I read about Sister Emmanuel as well this week. There's a, in Cairo, she went to a place dump where they were folks called Zavoline and they lived in the dump. And what they would do is they would gather garbage, really, bottles and tin and stuff that other people threw away and they would try to, out of that, would try to gather enough stuff that they could make a living. And they also lived in the dump. So they lived in the, in the, in the refuse place. And their kids were, would live there as well. And, and, the, and rats, ticks, fleas, all that stuff is there. Forty percent of their children Died before the age of one from dysentery or tetanus or measles or some other disease. Then in 1983, Sister Emmanuel decided she wanted to go help some people. But get this, she was 63 years old when she went to her superiors and said, Hey, I want to go to the dump and cop and, and, and help these families. And they said, Okay, and let her go. So she showed up, and her, her salary was like six bucks, and it came out to six dollars, six, six dollars a month, which wasn't enough. So, she, so then she decided to do something about that. She, this is this is what she said. She said, "I went to Washington, to Canada, to London, to Paris, to Belgium. I don't want charity. I want justice. You can't have a luxurious life when all over the world children are dying." In Geneva, one time I told her, "If you will not give me the money, I will make hold." Make it a difference. She raised over a million dollars. Built a facility that had a kindergarten with room for 200. A dispensary, a dentistry clinic, a, a vocational center where people could learn how to get a job. Two soccer teams. And that's an amazing story, right? But it's, it's in Cairo. It's way over there. So let me tell you about a friend of mine. After a trip to Chinandega, you heard me talk about Nicaragua. Well, I got to meet John Bland in Nicaragua. 
And he went on a trip in 1997. He was a youth leader at his church, is what he was doing. So John went down there in 1997, and, 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 and he helped there, and he was touched, and he came back, and he said, hey, I really want to do something. And he had some folks come alongside, and his youth group started fundraising. They raised money to go back and make a difference, and that, so they were going to go back and, and, and build, I think it was a, a medical facility. But in 1998, Hurricane Mitch hit. And there's a volcano, a lot of this volcano there, and it mudslides killed over 3,000 people and wiped out villages. And they too ended up living in the mountains. When they went back in 1999, they did build a building. But his heart was moved in such a way that when he came back the next time, when he came back home, he began a group called Amigos for Christ. And Amigos for Christ is now out of his church is now an interdenominational agency that has provided millions of dollars of support to the people in Nicaragua and, and other places like that. And why that's important is John Blaine. See, it's easy to put these people on the deficit, but the problem with that for me is I know John Blaine. And John is, um, you might say, salty. He doesn't always say the right. If you're looking for his faith, it ain't John Blaine. But you know what he's doing? He's showing Christ in a place that was dark. Because God moved in his heart. And something happened. So do you have to go on an international trip now? Nurture committee guys, will you raise your hand? If you don't mind. I know Linda. Will you raise your hand? Nurture committee. And Charlotte, if you got Marshall, you'll just take a look around. See these guys? What they do is, is, is they, oh, I don't care. What they do is they pray for us during the week. But they do more than that. If, if someone needs a meal, they, they show up with a meal. If someone needs to be visited, they visit. And that interaction that happens between, and it's not for, for it's for God's glory. Amen. That interaction that happens when you touch another life will change you. Will change you. It will change your heart. That's a group that you can meet with easily. One of the things that I, I, you know, I really want to challenge is I love that we are a giving church and, and I hope that that continues forever, that we give, that we give money because that makes a difference all over the place. It's, it, it's a good thing. But I challenge you to find time, and I'm not talking, you don't even have to do it every week, you don't have to do it every other week. Once in a while, go somewhere and do something that impacts somebody that you don't really know. I don't know why, but the folks who do that will tell you something happens. You can do it through outreach. You can do it certainly through, through uh, shepherd staff. Randy and Peggy would be glad to help you there with the fish. Uh, you got questions about Robert, Don, we've got Marshall. We've got lots of folks down there. Linda can help you get you connected down there. Serving others, we've been set free to serve. So why have you been set free? To serve. So what are we going to do? Serve. Amen. That's what we're talking about. 
And it's not just for men. That's the irony of the whole process. It's not just for men. When we're willing to do that, something happens. The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Say that with me. You are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? And the answer is yes, it is, according to the world. And then Jesus says, but I'm among you as one who serves. So let me put out there that perhaps, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Amen. Father, may we always be your people about serving, about helping others, and thank you, Lord, for the hearts in this church who are who are engaged in the lives of others. That is such a blessing. And we continue to bless them in that. I ask for you to continue to bless us all, to draw us near. You have a call on each of our lives. You have people that you want us to be involved with. Lord, open our eyes that we may see where it is that you want us to plug in. And Lord, give us the courage to reach out and ask that question, where can I plug in? So that we can be about what you're telling us. Amen.